So first of all, I think we'll just introduce ourselves so everybody knows who we are. Good morning, I'm Jeff. I'm Brett. I'm Pam. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Jody. So um, these last couple weeks, Tyler had started a series um, where he was going through the book of Acts in the Bible. And we're going to continue that this morning. So we'll get, uh, Pam's going to read a scripture, and it's Acts 3, 1 to 11. All right, if you have your Bibles there, feel free to read along. Um, as Tyler reads from the NLT, um, that's the version that I'm reading from this morning. So Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting a gift. But Peter said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out to Solomon's colonnade, where he was holding tightly to Peter and John. Everyone stood there in awe of the wonderful thing that had happened. Thanks, Pam. Let us pray. Father God, we just open up this morning to give you all the praise and glory for what we are going to speak about, that it's all about you. And so we just give you this day to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So as, re as Pam read in Acts, the lame man walked and received physical healing. And this morning, we are going to share some personal miracles in our own lives that we have experienced from God. But first, I want to read a paragraph from a book that I read called Courageous Leadership by Bill Hybels. And this is him speaking. I went to Washington, D.C. every month for eight years to meet with the foremost centers of power, with some of the highest elected officials in our country. What I discovered was not how powerful those people are, but how limited their power really is. They can do a lot of good for our country, but they can't change a human heart. They can't heal a wounded soul. They can't turn hatred into love. They can't bring about repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace. I share this to say, this is me speaking now. I share this to say 
Miracles are more than just physical healings. God can change our heart, heal our soul. It's the power of love of Jesus Christ. All are miracles from God. So um, Tyler and Lee left us with three questions. And so I'm going to read the first question. Uh, can you tell your story of coming to faith? So who has the mic? Oh, Britt's starting. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to start? Sure. Okay. Um, okay, so my story has a couple parts to it. Um, so originally I found Jesus in high school um, at a time when I was at what I thought was my rock bottom. Uh, so I was in grade 11 and I had attempted suicide and obviously failed or won. Is that the right way of looking at it? Lord willing. Um, and at that time, my best friend, I met her right after that. And uh, she invited me to church. And um, so I started going with her and I started just going on Sundays. Um, at that point, I guess I would call myself a lukewarm Christian. I had kind of dipped my toes in. Um, but I wasn't actually living for God. So I wasn't completely surrendered to him. Um, I kind of at that time, I guess, looked at Christianity more as how you appear. So I would do the things on the Sunday. I would look good. I would sing the worship songs. I'd feel all the good feels on the Sunday. But then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I would just go back to living my regular life for me. Um, so then four years ago, um, that all changed. And I will preface this with a verse that has stood by me over the last four years. And it is John 3.30. And it is, he must increase, but I must decrease. I have it tattooed on my wrist. Um, and so what happened there was I was asked to be a part of the pre-launch of Collective by Tyler and Lee. Um, through that, uh, that January, I got baptized in a parking lot at our very first location, which seems like a long time ago. Um, and at that point, that's when I truly committed my life to Jesus. Um, through that, I immersed myself in community. I think that was one of the biggest parts was being a part of co-groups or small groups that we were having at that time and just serving. I was serving the Lord right away. I was welcomed onto the host team. And through that, I was really able to learn more about Jesus and learn more about what an actual relationship with Jesus looks like. Um, yeah, so again, immersed in community, I was able to seek wisdom and counsel from mature Christians throughout my journey and still continue to do that. Um, obviously, with the people here at Collective, some of them are sitting to my left and right. Um, yeah, I was able to ask challenging questions and actually learn the answers in a biblical way, which I felt was really helpful for my journey, just to be able to point everything back to Christ. And yeah, I guess I completely surrendered my life over to him in every area, uh, even though it's hard, and that doesn't mean it's going to be easier, but definitely part of my journey has been learning how to walk with Christ as the leader of my life and just surrender it all over to him and his plan and his timing for me. All right, so you may hear little rattles in my voice. It gets better with time. But um, So for myself, uh, growing up, I am uh, the oldest child with one younger sibling. My dad left our family three times over, once when I was three months old, once when I was about three years old, and the final time between grade five and grade six. 
So my mom, in effect, she pretty much raised us um, and had some help and care from her parents, um, my grandparents. Um, growing up, um, like my grandparents had gone to church, had taken um, my mom somewhat, but um, so we as children kind of went a little bit to Sunday school with my grandparents or an aunt, and in summers we'd go to um, vacation Bible school wherever was closest. Um, when I was nine, I received a little red Gideon Bible, and I remember sitting on my very purple carpet um, in my bedroom, and I sat on the floor, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I actually happened to look at that uh, just yesterday, and that was October 20th of 1980. Um, moving forward from there, though, um, gradually the going to Sunday school and, and things in church, that kind of... Uh, dwindled off and I didn't really have a strong mentor in the faith at that time so I wasn't active in my faith and I wasn't really growing. Um, for many of my late elementary school and high school years I led an extremely messy life. I was a compulsive liar. I didn't care about school or grades. I drank too much alcohol, would sneak alcohol to school and I was seeking out attention from um, boys and men. In my early 20s, I entered into um, an abusive marriage, and that ended up a few years later in a divorce. Whenever I had tough situations in, in all of those years, I would find myself digging through a box or looking through a shelf or through drawers, rummaging to find that little red Gideon Bible. And I would look up, would I say something topically, something um, by topic that would help give me a little bit of encouragement or a smidge of direction. And uh, fast forward through to the mid-1990s and Kevin and I started seeing each other. Um, we got married and we have three wonderful kids together. When our kids were really young, um, we started going to church, but we weren't really active in church. We were just consuming and, and sitting in the seat. We weren't actively helping or growing. When I was pregnant with our youngest, our, our daughter Abby, my grandmother who had helped um, in the raising of us, helped with childcare, my grandma passed away while I was pregnant with Abby. Um, the following Christmas, I found myself trying to figure out what to give my grandfather for Christmas, but he had downsized and moved into an apartment and didn't really need material things. So, I decided the best thing I could do was to make a videotape that included video memories of my grandmother. While I was creating that videotape, I had stayed up late because I was a procrastinator, <laughs> and I watched myself on video as Abby was getting um, baby baptized or, or baby dedication, and I saw and I heard myself make a commitment to the Lord to raise our children in faith. I was convicted right away that I was not taking that commitment seriously and I was not doing a very good job in doing so. From that point forward, I started to read my Bible more often, still very topically at the time, and started reading devotions with our kids at bedtime. I was still a baby Christian, but at that point, I now had a desire to learn and to grow and to be a godly wife and example to Kevin. For me, growing up, I was kind of like Pam, wasn't really raised in a Christian home. We went to church 
on Sunday because um, that was the era. As you can see, paper versus computer. Um, <laughs> you went to church. Whether you believed in Christ or not, it was what you did on Sunday because everything was closed. No stores were open, no nothing. You were lucky to find a gas station open. So our family went, and then as, because I'm the youngest of three, um, when my dad stopped going to church with us, we slowly stopped going to eventually we didn't attend anymore, uh, except for Christmas and Easter. And so that was pretty much my child life. And then as I became a young adult, I will mention through that, through high school, I was like Pam, um, living the world, a um, lot of alcohol, a lot of everything. And I even dated Pam in high school. So we're high school sweethearts. Um, fast forwarding a little bit through that, um, like Pam said, we got back together, um, started dating, got married. Um, but during that time, I was still living the world, still um, into drinking, see how much I can drink in a night, all that stuff. Um, keeping it kind of PG, um, I was caught um, looking at all the wrong stuff and everything else, and the question was put to me. You either choose our marriage or you're out. So um, seeing my parents have a strong love relationship, um, it was like you get married, you stay married no matter what. So I told her, I says, I'm willing to put the work into it, the change and stuff. And at that time, Pam was already being saved again and following God. So I was saying, I can go to counseling. And she says, well, you need to go to somebody who's Christian faith. Um, like, okay, well, let's start with my brother. He goes to a church that's Christian. And we knocked on the door and sat down with them and I laid it out on the table literally we were sitting around their kitchen table and or their dining room table and told them the story and he literally went well this is too much for us can I call in the big guns we're like sure um, they called the pastor and their pastor at the church and um, Dave and Sandy his wife came with them and we talked and through that whole conversation, what stuck on my mind the most was what he said. You cannot make any great decision in your life without God. We left. Um, he gave me some, told me to read the book of John. I wasn't listening. I read the first book of John. Um, so I had to go back and reread John, which was great. <laughs> I hate reading. Um, but that night, I'm laying in bed, and all that kept going through my head was, you can't make any decisions without God, over and over. So I turned my life over to God that night. So about 4.30 in the morning, I woke Pam up. And once you meet Pam, you'll understand. I had to re repeat the prayer with her. He said he said it in his head and in my mind the Bible says if you say out loud so you need to say out loud <laughs> anyways <laughs> so from there 
there was a moment of miracle there because my wife forgave me for what I did, for our marriage to grow. I turned my life over to God. It wasn't instantaneously. Um, it's, it's been a process through the years. Like Britt says, it's difficult. And, but you grow together. Pam had to give up leadership in the family, especially church, because the man's supposed to lead. So I had to play catch up real fast. And I'll emphasize again, I hate reading. But I have come to love reading. And, yeah. Okay, so for me, I grew up uh, in an Anglican church. Um, our family went to church. We were a family of seven. And so it was a pretty normal thing, as Kevin said earlier. Uh, back in that particular time, families went to church. That was the, the proper thing to do. And I'd have to say, looking back, my dad was very influential in ensuring that we all got to church and that we were expected to be there. Not in a negative way, but he knew what was best for us. Um, I guess when I was about 11 or around that age, um, I too had, the, the Gideons were at our school, and I too had that little red book. Um, same kind of story as Pam, but the date in mine is much further back <laughs> than what hers was. Um, but anyway, I signed that as a, as a young kid and, and asked Jesus into my heart. That's sort of the earliest recollection I, I have. Um, and so when I was about 12, I was confirmed in the church, and then I was asked to be an altar boy, and so I did that till I was about 16, helping the minister with, you know, the communion and things like that. And then, uh, and then uh, Jody and I started dating when we were 17. We, were, we went to school together through public school. We knew each other all through public school. We started dating at, at age 17, and... and during that time, I never, I, I was attending church still as a teenager, but I didn't really have, I didn't really have a real divine revelation of who Jesus was. I knew God, that God was there, but it was kind of a distant God. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't transformational for me at that particular time. And, um, and so, um, you know, I had some times, I'm just going to say that during my teenagehood, I'll just say very, I had some wild times in, in teenagehood, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a totally different person if you could see me when I was younger. Um, but I felt through that time, there was always, I always felt that God had his hand upon me. And, and I would always go back to my time at church, and, and I always, you know, I was convicted at different times. But I didn't really have that real revelation. So then when Jody and I started dating at 17, she talked to me. We talked a lot about church. And um, she was a girl I was looking for because she was attending church. And there weren't a lot of people at that particular time that, uh, well, one that I was interested in, but that still was a Christian too. And so she, we had some really interesting conversations. And she challenged me about, in the Bible, it talked about being born again because she was challenging me a bit. I said, I didn't know anything about that. And she said, well, read your Bible. And so I read my Bible, and sure enough, it was there. And, uh, and so that, was, that started for me uh, a whole process of, of starting to learn more. We, when we got married um, five years later, we started attending the Baptist church. And uh, that, was, that was the start of the walk for me. And, um, you know, we... 
a few years later, we had one son, and then we had another son, and so we, had, we have two sons. And I, I really felt that God was saying to me that, you know, I needed to be a good example to my family as the head of the household, but to my sons, and that um, even during that time, I, you know, I used to struggle a little bit, like I was a hockey player, so guys would want me to play hockey on Thursday nights, Monday nights, and then come out and play Sunday mornings. Hey, Sunday mornings, it's tough for me. So I would say to Jody, well, I'll go play hockey, and then I'll be back in time to, you know, back in time to get to church, and so I was running back and forth with hockey and stuff like that. And so it became a time for me to really change my my view of, of my life and the, and the impact I was going to have on my, on my sons. Um, and I would say that, um, you know, I went through this time of just growing and we, we, um, we, we came to London in there, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, but it was sort of in my mid-30s when we were attending another Baptist church that the pastor challenged me about getting, well, if you believe, because he asked me, he said, where are you at anyway? And I said, well, I believe. He said, well, have you thought about getting baptized? I said, and we were out golfing together. And so it was the perfect place for him to bring up that question for me. And I said, you know what? I think it's time. And so I was baptized, and um, that started my journey with Jesus and becoming a follower. And so I'll just cap it off by saying this. When I was a kid, we went to the Anglican church. I knew God. We went to the Baptist church. I learned and gave my life to Jesus. And then we came, later on, we came to the Pentecostal church, and that's where I met the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's how I would wrap up my life as a follower. Uh, So for me, I was raised um, in a Christian home, and um, my mother uh, took, I have two I have a brother and a sister, so we went to church together, but my dad owned his own business, so he worked seven days a week, so he never came with us, um, and, but the Christianity that I grew up in, I, I know Tyler has shared this, because he experienced this, I was, it was very legalistic, so there was no, I wasn't allowed to wear blue jeans, no makeup, no you, you fill in the blank, no cards, no games, no movies. That's the way I was raised. Um, so it's a miracle that Jeff and I met each other. Um, but I always knew Jesus, and, but he was a convenience, on, you know. And so I, yes, I was a Sunday Christian, I would say. And he really became alive in my life when what was meant for evil turned to good. Um, Mary, Jeff and I went through a really hard marriage struggle. And um, what the enemy meant for, um, for bad, God turned it around because it ended up that we went to a Christian counselor. And the first counseling session, he said to me, um, you know, what's your relationship w- with Jesus? And I went... Uh, it's fine, I have a problem with him. <laughs> and I didn't know where he was coming from with that, but you know, he really challenged me, and I went home, and I I thought, okay, um, what is my relationship like with Jesus? And from that point on, um, 
I just fell in love with Jesus and and then our marriage was healed and it was just amazing. So um, question number two, how has following Jesus changed your life? I took the mic back. <laughs> um, so for me, um, and I kind of spoke about it a little bit in the previous panel a little while ago, but if you missed that, um, I've always been a control freak. Um, so having Jesus in my life and, and giving myself and giving my, my life to the Lord is a constant struggle um, because we're human and of course we want to, it's probably our human nature to take the reins and want to steer our own ships. Um, but it's something that we've definitely been working on and I'm constantly reminded of the verse, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So this verse comes from Jeremiah 29, 11, and it's one of many that attests that God has a divine plan for your life. So um, I think when it comes to how Jesus has changed, how following Jesus, is that how following Jesus has changed my life, um, for me, it's showing me that it's actually so much more than just about me and my life, but rather what God can use can use me for in order to bless others and help others to know him. Um, I used to be uh, very materialistic and I would find my worth in, and my identity in what I did, how much I made or how successful I was to society. And one of the big things that I've noticed since walking with the Lord and, and having him in my life is that I now look to God for my worth and I have found my identity in him. So over the years of being insecure, you know, in grade 11, trying to take my own life was because I was bullied so badly. So I was super insecure and just had no self-worth um, to now being a confident woman in who I am. And, and I found that through him and who I am through him. Um, but one of the biggest things that I think it's it's given me or showing me, I guess, I'm not really sure what the best word is, I guess showing me, um, is um, how to have hope in tough times. Um, we're struggling with a lot of family things right now and a lot of health things, and I have a family who's not saved, so you're good. So going to church with my best friend in high school was a big thing because my family, my sister's a complete atheist, so it's kind of a fun conversation around the dinner table for sure at night. Um, but it's allowed me to show him and having faith in him through some of the family struggles that we're navigating. Like the other day, my sister, my sister's on the phone with me and she's like, I hope, I hope you and God are close. Like, I hope, I hope he's your friend. And I said, yeah, he is. And we're praying for you. And our whole prayer team is praying for you. So I think just having little moments like that, where I'm like, that's all God. That is all God at work, and I'm just the vessel that he's using, um, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wasn't following Jesus and in a close relationship with him where I can hear his nudges and hear his still small voice or ask the Holy Spirit to come to guide things. So, yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is, is just the hope and, and showing the faith and hope to others and, and being able to, to bless people with, with my journey and, and testimony. Um, I would say um, my life following Jesus has, has changed in, in the following ways. 
Um, it's been a super slow and, and a gradual process. I didn't jot that down, but I too suffer from being a control freak and liking to have things just so or my way or how I think I envision it going. And um, I could tend to throw an, the adult version of a tantrum when it didn't go my way. Um, so it's been a, it's truth. <laughs> um, it, it's been a slow process, but a beautiful process of handing things over to him. Um, like I mentioned before, I used to be a compulsive liar. Um, in my early parenting years, I was a very angry mom and I would lash out the things, my hurts and things um, that were not my children's problems. They were my things that I hadn't worked through and I could be an angry mom. I often tended to be super lazy and I was very selfish. Um, I like to think that these days, my growth in Christ has helped me to think of others more than myself. That my faith and God's word, it's what shapes and forms my decisions, my actions, the choices that we make in our family, the choices that we make in our marriage, how we interact with others, um, the, the, we've grown a lot together and because we've grown together thing in faith, things are so much smoother, but I find myself even just the other day parenting so, so differently, differently. Um, I can have that thought. Now my mind will slow down and look at it in the perspective of how God loves me, how Christ loves me my behavior to my children, even adult children, needs to be different. And I had one of those just the other day. So I don't always get it right, um, but I'm trying to look at people more with the heart that Christ has for me. So, Thinking about that question, how God has changed my life, um, was is to reflect on what you were like before you were saved. And in the Bible, it says not to look back, but to look forward to God all the time. But it's a history. It's your history. And you need to think about that from time to time to make sure you are still following God. And for me, I was raised in a house where you stood for what you thought you wanted, believed in, um, a thought just came to my head about my dad, how he raised us. Um, he taught us to argue so well that I would convince this whole group I'm wearing a white shirt. That's how it was. Pam will not play Monopoly in our family. Um, gets very argumentative, but we all had our own rules and they were the right rules. So that's the kind of life I lived. Um, we were taught, like my dad, it was old school, military, you stand proud, head up, chest out, shoulders back, and you made your presence no one in the room. You spoke loudly, you, you know, all that. Coming to know God has taught me to be second. And um, the thing I was keep going back to when I think about that is when I got, was it Christmas or a birthday present? Pam gave me a coffee mug, either or. It was Christmas, okay. And the kids were confused why I was happy. It had number two on it. And my son being my son, was like, why are you happy being number two? I'm number two in her life because God's number one. 
so that's changing my thinking of who I am, who I should be. I should never put me first. I should always put God first in my life. So I, it gets me thinking differently in situations where uh, my old self would be if I'm having struggles at work and just don't want to be anymore, gone, I'm out of there, see ya. Quit, move on, I'll get a job somewhere else. To now it's, um, for instance, like right now I'm going through a tough time at work. I shared that with our co-group. Um, I've been sharing that with Pam for a while. And God steps in. <laughs> I had a contractor. I worked for a home harbor building center. No plug for them, but <laughs> I interact with all kinds of different people. And the one contractor, um, I make it known to everybody, I go to church. Um, I don't preach at them. I just let them know. And I said something. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was something about church. And he goes, you know what? I got questions. Like, my kids are asking me about church, and so it's got me thinking. And when I, I work on my own a lot, so I'm really thinking, and I feel there's something different. So I told him, um, you know, I go to Collective, and he's not very far from here, and gave him a card and told him. I said, you can look up us online and all this stuff. So I was able to share with him a little bit. And I walked away, and the Holy Spirit said, that's why you're here. You're suffering, you're struggling, that's shaping and forming you. But you're there to shed light to the darkness. So my old self would not think that way. And that's how living for God has changed my life. Okay, and for me, um, <clears throat> how it's changed my life, first of all, I would say, Coming into a church family and being part of a community like this has, has really changed my life and the relationships that we have been able to forge through people like all of you um, has been a big part of it. I think another thing would be, um, you know, before I became, like, when, even when I was a Christian when I was younger, God had a lot of work to do on me. Like, he had to get that heart softened up a bit more. And so I think that my heart has become softer. It's not there yet, but it's become softer. And I'm much more discerning now about um, people around me and myself and how I um, portray myself, that I, I want to be um, caring and, and loving. Um, I wouldn't say when I was younger I was very gentle. Um, and so some of the old habits I knew over time had to change. So I was able to form new habits. The Bible talks about you've been created as a new creation in Christ. And so those old ways, um, we spent uh, three hours with some old friends last night out of town, went out for supper, and uh, we really haven't been in relationship with them for like 30 years. Um, these are guys that Jody and I both went to school with and their wives, and we were saying, isn't it cool? We're all still together. Like all the couples are still together. And, um, and we were, you know, we were talking about that, but I realized that, you know, um, when I talked to them on the phone about getting together, they, and I had met them before, they said, oh, Jeff, you haven't changed a bit. And 
I said to Jody when we were driving home, I said, or driving there last night, I said, they have no idea how much my life has changed because of what Jesus has done in my life. And, and so for me, it's the changes have come is, is me being able to look at the world versus my walk with Jesus. And so that's where the big change has been is I see things much differently now. I have a sense of peace and contentment in my life and hope um, for my future and for my family. Um, I realize that I can have an intimate relationship with the creator of this universe that I never really thought I could have before and that he knows every small detail about my life and cares about me. And so my self-worth, my self-worth is not in the things that uh, Britt mentioned earlier about buying things and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, it's not in those kinds of things. It's, it's in my relationship with God. And so, um, so what I feel what God has done mostly for me is, is change my heart to be an instrument of, of um, receiving the love of God and giving it away to others. And so um, I'm not there yet, but I know my identity and my lifestyle is in Jesus, and I know that I'm still going through a time of, of sanctification, so I'm, I'm growing in that, but I'm thankful for all of that. So um, I'm going to skip question two for myself because um, I'm leading this. No. <laughs> Mine actually ties into the question three, so I'll share it all together. So I'll ask question three. Can you share about a time when you experienced the miraculous? Do you, you've got multiple, right? Okay. Oh, okay. I have a couple, so I wasn't sure if I should share them all. Yours is short? Well, mine's going to be long. Buckle up, people. Um, no, I'll, I'll keep it relatively short. So I have a couple examples. One is uh, physical, but I'm going to back up here because I'm a nerd and I like to learn, so I need to know what the biblical definition of a miracle. And that is an event in the external world brought about by the immediate agency or the simple volition of God operating without the use of means capable of being discerned by the senses and designed to authenticate the divine commission of a religious teacher and the truth of his message. And this is in uh, John 2, 18, and a little bit from Matthew 12, 38, kind of just combined there. Um, another little bit about it is Jesus pointed to miracles of signs of, uh, signs of something deeper and more significant. We see that in John 10, uh, 24, 25, and then again in 38. And lastly, I've got Jesus's miracles were like object lessons uh, demonstrating the vast scope of his power. They showed his authority over nature, demons, disease, and death. And that comes from Luke 8, uh, 22 to 56. So there's multiple areas where you can see miracles. Um, so I'm going to share a few. The first one is uh, in a physical sense. Um, I've had ongoing lower back pain. It's my SI joint, your sacroiliac joint for anyone who does medical. <laughs> like, what's the word I'm looking for? For things. Um, and it, it's been like that for 10 years. Like, it's just been an ongoing issue. Um, and so last year, la la when, when did we go to the conference? Last year? Last year. Last year. Uh, we went, a, a couple of us went to a conference, church conference, and Tyler and Lee were with us. And during worship, I 
felt that I wanted to hit my knees, but I knew physically I couldn't. Like, I'm like, I cannot get on this ground and get back up. And I, I, we, after worship, we were standing outside, and I was talking. I was like, yeah, like, I just really felt the Holy Spirit, like, asking me to hit my knees. And I feel bad because, like, I didn't. And Ty goes, well, why didn't you? And I was like, well, I physically can't. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, my lower back. Well, blah, blah, blah. Like, it would have been a whole ring of a roll trying to get me up. So he stops, and he lays, they all, you guys were there, laid hands on me and just prayed for healing. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's great. Like, I walk away, and I feel the same. Uh, then the next day I wake up and usually I feel it in the morning. So I wake up in the morning and I'm like, huh, weird. Like I don't have to like stretch or crack a bunch of times or do all these things. I'm like, okay. So I'm like making little mental notes, but in my head, I'm still thinking like, well, this is too good to be true. Maybe the Advil's working or whatever. So then because I like to challenge things just that much further to really affirm that it is God, um, I was like, I'm going to go work out. I haven't been able to work out in forever. Every time I do, it flares up. So I'm like, I'm going to go work out. So I work out, still no pain. So long story short, days on um, end here, I'm no pain waking up, and I'm like, okay, I see what you did there. I shared it in like a team huddle, and like everyone's just looking at me, they're like, yeah, that's, that's healing, that's a miracle. And I'm like, huh, interesting, cool, 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 cool. Um, so that was a physical one. Um, I recently, about a year ago now, I guess in December, I was looking for a house, and I had to get out of this current situation that I was in. And I was in a two-week time where I would like to say homeless, but I wasn't. But I just, I was out of my current house waiting for my future house. And a wise Christian once told me, like, what you're praying for, write it down. Write down details of what you're praying for. So I wrote down, like, I want a house with a backyard for my dog. Has to have, like, hardwood floors. Like, I went detailed on this house. And I had been praying over finding a house for this and for, for the dog and I. And so I'm in this like two week stint where I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to move. But I was so at peace with it and just so calm. Like, I'm like, God will provide. God will like bring me a house, whatever. So I had a cottage I was staying at. So it's not like I was homeless. I was staying there for two weeks. And I'm like three hours away from London where I'm looking for a said house. And I get a call about a house. Hadn't even looked at it. She describes it to me. She sends me some pictures. And I was like, done. Yep, send over the paperwork. And, like, it had checked kind of all of the boxes. Um, so two weeks later, December 1st, we all rally up all my boxes and we moved me in. And it's been, it's been definitely a, a blessing and a miracle from God. And then my last one, which I think is kind of one of the most important ones, it ties into the most important. They're all important, but um, it ties into the last panel. So the last panel I had spoke about why the question we all answered was, why does the Bible or Jesus have authority on how I live and where has that led to life? So I shared a couple of examples where that has already led to life. And then there was an area that it hadn't led to life, but again, I was, I've been trusting in God's plan in this, been praying Again, a very detailed list of what I'm looking for in this certain area, and that area is for my future husband. So I, if you go and rewatch it, I tell everybody, like all the single ladies, listen up, but I think it goes for single ladies and single gentlemen in the room. Um, because through all of it, you know, kind of going through all these questions again, it was all his plan and his timing. Um, through it, I formed a relationship with Jesus, surrendered all areas to him and trusted in his plan and his timing um, and continued to pray. I prayed daily for my future husband. Um, so again, I waited and 
since our last panel, uh, he has brought a man into my life who exemplifies the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I just say all this to say, don't give up. Don't, don't um, stop praying and just even sometimes remind yourself, like if you're in a season of waiting, I know there's several people in here who are in a season of waiting, whether it's in a single life or waiting for a job, waiting for whatever it might be, don't give up hope in that waiting period. I found that waiting period was the best time for me to really get close with Jesus, pray, really just turn my life over to him and, and, and connect with community who, who obviously helped that as well. Um, and that's when the miracles happen. And remind yourself of the smaller miracles that have already happened in your life. Maybe they were 10 years ago, but regardless, there's been miracles in your life. And just look for those as a constant reminder that he's done it once and he will do it again. I said it was going to be short and I lied. <laughs> okay, I'll try to keep mine short. Um, for me, um, I would say one of the miracles I... I didn't uh, disclose it in my story. For some of you that have been in my co-group, I've, I've disclosed kind of a bigger thing, but I had something in my past that really held me back from finding freedom uh, in Christ. And um, essentially, somebody came to our church, they spoke, it was a miracle, I was even there, I worked for the church. If I had known what it was about, I wouldn't have been there. Um, long story short, did a study, did the deep work, and found complete um, freedom from that. Um, and that held me back for many, many, many years. Um, another one, since coming to Collective, actually, I um, had Jody pray over me one day. I am, have been in the past, I'm very careful with my wording these days, I had the opposite of most people who get winter seasonal affective disorder. I had the opposite, which is very rare, and I had summer seasonal affective disorder um, very severely. It uh, would leave me, um, I just wouldn't talk the same. It looked um, like in my eyes, it was like I was lost, I wasn't there. And the, the last year that I dealt with it, I actually, between that condition and kind of a burnout and all kinds of things, um, it started to take my spelling, my speech, and make my limbs feel like slow motion. And um, But when I came to Collective and I started talking about that, and our daughter was going to be getting married, on short notice they got engaged and were going to do a wedding within 12 weeks and I was very stressed with this being in the summer with this condition that I had and Jody just stopped me and she said has anybody ever prayed for you for that can I pray for you and she prayed for me about that and kind of same as Britt I thought okay like <laughs> but praise be I literally have not dealt with that now for two years since Jody prayed over me and the prayer team continued to pray through that summer um I have not had that last year or this year, and that is amazing. Um, and then just quickly, lots of you that know me um, know my story of my best friend um, who passed away 10 years ago now. She actually had um, glioblastoma, multiform for brain cancer. Um, and uh, through that 
that process, um, I'll just keep it very brief, but she was my, what I call once in a lifetime friend, my dearest, dearest friend. There was an age gap. She was quite a bit older than me, but age had nothing to do with it. I could get lost in conversation with her for hours. And through that process of um, her physically declining, um, God made a way, and I truly believe that my best friend was saved. Um, and in the midst of that, it, it's a weird kind of thing, but I had applied to get into the hospital job where I work now. I had been applying for like more than two years and kept like never hearing anything. I was able to speak with my friend, a nurse made away, moved us to a different room where there was no multiple patients and her brain was more clear because at that point it was hard for her to track and speak, but having no um, commotion around us, she was, we were able to thank each other for our friendship, tell each other we loved each other, and then walked her through a prayer, which I was left very doubtful whether she was saved or not, but ask me the rest of that story. But my, my friend, with all confidence in my heart, I know that Christ displayed to me that, that she is saved. That happened on a Friday evening, truth. Monday morning, I got a call for an interview at the same hospital where I spoke to my friend. So um, those are some of the miracles that I have experienced. So. For me, this question was kind of tough because I haven't had um, any um, big miracles in my life, um, like physical healing, um, I don't really deal with any kind of internal sickness or anything. So for me, it's been kind of difficult to come up with um, some examples. But learning more and more about God, it's not the big miracles either. It's all the little ones too. Um, we were talking this morning in our prayer time about all the, all the little miracles that go unnoticed. And... Just for an example, um, when we were renovating the church, I had to be here to open the doors for some guys coming to help me that night at 6 o'clock. Um, we live about 45 minutes away from here. I left home about um, quarter after 4, and I had to go pick up something at the Rona out at Wonderland and High Park. Then I had to go to Costco to get some dog food and a couple other things and then go get the tea from key from Tyler and Lee's house and be here by six. And you think of all those things I just had to do, I did that in an hour and a half. That was God making the green lights for me, keeping the traffic clear for me. And so that's what I've been thinking all week is all these little miracles of um, even before I was saved, like, the friends Pam knows I hung out with, we, we, yeah, it's a miracle we would last through the weekend. Um, some of the situations we got ourselves into, um, yeah. So it's reflecting on all those little things that you pass by as, oh, it was timing, it was, you know, good luck. If you're following God and you're trusting God, and like Jeff spoke on it, it's your heart posture. If you want to receive, you need to go to the Father. And speak to him. Because when you draw closer to God, God draws closer to you. 
and that scene came from a little uh, clip of one of the guys I started following on Instagram as he was talking about your posture. You draw closer, he draws closer to you. It's like a, you walk one step, he walks one step to you. And those are the miracles, the little ones. Yeah, that's when I read this question, I thought the same thing. I thought, boy, I've had like thousands of miracles in my life. I've, there's been so many um, uh, health issues where it was a miracle. Um, car accidents, I had several car accidents where you know, I walked away. Um, some of you may remember me sharing some time ago about a, an accident I had at work. I'm not really accident prone, but I, over the years I've had a few things. Um, but I, I had a, a close call with a, an accident at work. And, and yet I, I thought about it and thought, but it all sums up to this one thing is that pre-1990, I had been applying for a job down here in London and God had favor on me when I was applying for this position. And when I walked in to talk to the supervisor, he said, um, I just hired a guy, but he said, the next job's yours. And I went back and he said, when do you want to start? And this was a big deal because we were moving from, you know, an, over an hour away. And so, you know, Jody was going to have to leave her job. We had two boys that were two and four. But if we hadn't have stepped out in faith at that time, and, and, you know, I look back at the last 33 years that we've been in London and all the things that have happened, our walk with God, I, I, they were miracles. And it wasn't about me, though. And it wasn't about us as a family. It was about is what I said earlier. Um, our plans were more tied to um, it was God's goodness. It was tied to his glory for what he's been able to do. Because I think back, yeah, there were a lot of miracles. But I've also had time to, in some cases, speak out and praise God for the things that he's done. Because if it hadn't been for those things, we wouldn't be here with you guys today. And so that's a miracle. But they start with small steps, and they start with following him. So I'm going to go back to question two. Um, how has Jesus changed your life? And it will flow into, um, you know, an experience of the miraculous. So before, my identity, my foundational belief of who I was, was tied to my circumstances, my hurts, my wounds, my friends, storms of life. All these defined who I was. So I have very, very low self-esteem. And... Um, my change came when I experienced the love of the Father. And for me, it was a belief of knowing and experiencing that I was unconditionally loved, and that changed my identity. Who defines me from a revelation of the Father's love? It came from head knowledge to heart experience. And so the truth is, I am... A, mm, I am a chosen child of God. I am precious in God's eyes. I am the beloved daughter. I am valued. I am loved. I'm wonderfully made. And I am a treasured possession. And that's who God defines me as. And so my miracle is 
as God filled me, I was able to go to my mom and dad. And it was, it was all steps that were ordered by God. And um, so I was raised in a household where um, there was no emotional connection with mom or dad. And uh, so I wasn't encouraged or high valued or um, I had a good home. I had all my needs met that way, but not emotionally at all. So there was no I love you or hugs or kisses or things like that. So again, this is, I really walked in obedience as God was filling me with his love. And I'm so thankful I did because um, with my dad, I think the first experience I had was I was asked to speak at my grandmother's funeral. And my grandmother was a really strong Christian, so part of the eulogy was a salvation call that I gave. And my dad came to me afterwards and said, were you speaking to me? Like it just hit me right in my heart. And that was when I knew, oh my goodness, God's at work in his life. Because like I said in, in the beginning, my mother took us to church, but my dad was not a Christian. So I just followed the steps that God had me walk out. And the next step was so being filled with the Father's love that I could go to my dad and say, I love you. And that was big for me. It was like, are you sure, God? And so, I mean, there was distance, so I phoned him. And I thought, how am I going to phone him? Because mom always answers the phone. And then I'm going to say, can I speak to dad, which is really unusual. And so out of obedience, I phoned, and my dad answered the phone. And I thought, oh, God, you are at work here. So we chatted for a bit, and he goes, oh, I'll get your mother for you. And I said, just wait, Dad, I wanted to talk to you. And he goes, what's up? And I said, I just wanted to let you know I love you. And he's a little bit hard of hearing, so he said, pardon? And I thought, oh, God, you're making me say this twice. Um, so I said, I love you. And he goes, ditto. And I was okay with that because it didn't matter. Like, God was so filled in my heart. And um, I don't know how many months, if it was maybe a year, that he called me. And he said, your mom and I are getting ready to go to Florida. And I just wanted to say goodbye and tell you I love you. And that was the first time I ever heard my dad say that. I mean, he might have said it when I was born. So, and we're talking, I would have been... In my 50s. So God can use, um, you know, he healed me, healed my relationship with my dad. And from that day on, I became my dad's little princess, even though I was in my 50s. But, you know, we shared, we hugged, we kissed, we, I love you. And uh, Jeff and my mom would go golfing and my dad would sit by the pool and we'd um, share about what God was doing and and dad just loved hearing um, because he was a new Christian. He didn't know anything about the Bible so he thought I just had such great wisdom which I just knew all the little stories about the Bible, right? And just being obedient to God. But then from there, the next um, thing that God had me working on was my relationship with my mother. And we had good times, and we had really volatile times. And when my dad passed away, it got really bad. 
And so, um, long story short, my mother ended up um, leaving her family home, which was a whole story in itself, how us siblings, she was a stubborn woman, that's where I get it from, I guess, but um, she did not want to leave her home, and we finally um, encouraged her with her health failing, and the house was falling apart, and she refused help. She refused. She wouldn't answer the door for the PSWs coming in. It was a long story, but um, she ended up moving to London, and we got her in a, to a retirement apartment and um, close to our home, so we were able to visit at least every other day, if not every day. And um, near the end of her life, um, she started falling a lot. And this one particular day I went up to visit her, she had fallen and uh, she had soiled herself really badly. And so I helped clean her up and then I, I went into the washroom and um, I had to clean up the washroom. And I'm on my hands and knees cleaning up and she's yelling at me in the living room, you shouldn't be doing this. And I went from I need to to I want to. And at that moment, I heard God speak to me, say, you need to go talk to your mother now. And I just kept working away, cleaning. And he was very persistent. He said it again. And I literally put my hand up and said, I'm busy. But he was persistent. And he said it again. And I stopped. I got up. And I said, oh, fine. I had no idea what I was going to say. I went out to the living room, and my mom and I sat knee to knee. She was in a chair, and I was on the couch. And I started out by saying, because God only gave me the words, like, right at the last second. And I said, Mom, I love you, and I have to apologize. I have to ask you to forgive me for how abrasive I've been in my life, especially in the last bit since Dad's died, that... It was hard seeing you an hour away when I'm working and you failing, but it didn't excuse my reactions and it did not excuse how abrasive I was. And my, and my mother said to me, you, um, so I asked her to forgive me and she says, you don't, you don't, I don't need to forgive you. you, you need to forgive me. And we went back and forth and back and forth for forgiveness. And I felt like backpacks came off of me. And God knew that was the last time that I was alone with my mom before she passed away. That's why he was persistent. We had many visits after that for about two months before she passed away. But we were always with somebody else. So I thank God that he was so gracious to me and persistent that um, it was such a gift that I had reconciliation with both my parents before they went to be with the Lord. Okay, so in conclusion, before we, uh, the worship team comes back up, I just wanted to say that um, you've heard some testimonies here uh, of stories of, of people's, what they might call as victories. Um, 
But they're miracles of breakthroughs. They are the identity and the very DNA of who God is. The, the Hebrew word for test, testimony is do it again. And so when you've heard different our stories and our, what we've shared here, it just means that God wants to do it again. And so before we leave the stage and the worship team comes up, I'm just going to pray that if, if one of these stories has related to any of you with anything going on in your life, the prayer team will be over by the piano at the conclusion of the service. And so if you'd like, um, if you'd like prayer, uh, we want to encourage you to come over for prayer. Okay, so thank you.